Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast about children's development from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. I'm Priscilla Weigel, the Executive Director, and I'm here today for part two of our podcast on behavior with two of our fabulous CICC coaches, Terry Niemeyer and Angeline Callhoff, and they are here to continue our conversation. We did a part two conversation on just looking at behavior as far as our response to what children are trying to communicate. And I think that that's something that um, if you'll, you'll notice too, it's a real common theme for many of you listeners out there. When you taught, when we asked folks who are providing care to children, what are some of the big issues that you feel like are um, the ones that challenge you? Behavior is the number one topic that comes up every time. And I think for those of us who have been doing this work for a very long time, one thing that we've learned is that behavior can be really misunderstood, that children don't wake up in the morning saying, I'm going to figure out how I can make Priscilla's life miserable. Just truly the opposite of that. And Terry talked about this in our last podcast about the fact that children just want to connect. They want to be in relationship with us as adults in their lives. And sometimes they just don't know how to go about doing that in the most positive way. And so in this part two of our talk, I really would love to hear from you, Angeline and Terry, about some things that you've noticed have been really helpful when you're out coaching when folks are frustrated by behavior. What are some things that you found to be really great tools? Sure. Um, One thing I like to kind of take notice of and just even name with the providers is that the child is trying to tell us something. um, And us as that adult, we're able to have that response to them um, to either help them figure it out or guide them to a different direction. And so it's, they're having a behavior because they're trying to tell us something. And if we can rephrase it and just even maybe shift our mindset as that adult, sometimes that really helps them to get really curious as to um, what that next step will be. True. Oh, that's a good point. I think, you know, when you, when one of the things you listed in the last podcast, when you two were talking about things that are, are common that come up with behaviors and one of them was talking back and just the, the way that's stated talking back. And you know, that as an adult, when a little three-year-old is saying no to you, it pushes buttons. So I think that that, you know, just, as you said, Angeline, shifting our focus, changing the way we see it is so important. Yeah, another thing, as you're talking about pushing buttons, Priscilla, that reminded me of Howard Glasser's Nurtured Heart Approach. And so with the Nurtured Heart Approach, it's really a set of strategies for helping children use their intensity in a successful way. So one Mm -hmm. of there are three stands within the Nurtured Heart. One is absolutely no. And that push your buttons kind of thing is one of the things that we talk about within the the nurtured heart is that children know um, which buttons to push on us. They know how to get our connections. And so they are going to use that. So another one um, is absolutely yes. And so what this stand of the nurtured heart approach is about is 
looking at what's going right and being really super excited about it. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times, let's say if there is a, a child that does one of those little ninja jumping, kicking and knocks something down in the, the classroom, we our energy might be pretty high about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we try to teach the, the skill about using walking feet in the classroom at that moment. Whereas um, when maybe a child is has been sharing and playing with children without any issues for several minutes, we might just think in our head, okay, that's the way it should be. But when using the nurtured heart approach, we get more excited about when mm-hmm. a child is sharing and taking turns or following directions. And we put our energy into those moments. And then the, the third stand is absolutely clear. So that's making sure that we as the grown-ups are being very clear and have clarity in what our rules and expectations are for the child mm-hmm. so that they're, we know that all children are going to try to find those boundaries that are out there, but we want to make sure that we're telling the children um, what happens if you do cross this boundary. And mm-hmm. then we can have that clear, concise um, response that is always going to be consistent. The child knows what to do. But when we're noticing the, the children and just they're, they're normal, so I don't have to be super perfect and just that model child, and I don't have to do a behavior for my caregivers to notice me, I can just be normal. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is a, a great thing to do is just nor- notice normal when children are doing it. So saying things like, I see you're coloring a picture today, or I see you have a smile on your face today. Mm-hmm. And just really noticing just normal kids doing typical behaviors that gives the children the knowledge that just by being in the classroom, they're seen, they're known, and they're they're loved to by the, the mm-hmm. provider. Yeah, that's such a great, great reminder for all of us, I think. And I think that, you know, thinking back to that, going back to what you said initially is kids know how to push our buttons and they sometimes they do go for the biggest bang and the most energy. And you know, I've been guilty of it too. When you see someone playing beautifully, you're like, oh, tiptoe by, do not draw any attention because this doesn't happen typically with this per- this little child. And look at it, it's so great. Instead, shedding a, a light, shining a light on it and saying, oh my goodness, you know what? You're smiling. I'm wondering if you're having some good times playing in those blocks. I can tell. Look at your friend. Have you noticed their face? For a child who typically goes for intensity and big bang, that's kind of a new concept of, wait a second, an adult's paying attention to me and I'm just sitting here playing with the blocks, but boy, does that feel good. That's what we want to be expending as far as our energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think even providers, when they're able to start noticing that, they're thinking, oh my goodness, look at this amazing 
power that this child has built. I love that this child is doing it. And it just shifts that mindset again to I'm looking for all the positives because there are little tidbits throughout the day. Even if we're getting these high intensity behaviors, there are good things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think, Angeline, thinking about that example of look at that tower. I just imagined in my head all these additional towers popping up because the the children yes. want that connection. They're like, look at mine now. And yeah. I think that can happen with behaviors when we we say, wow, look at that. You pushed the chair in and I didn't even ask you to do it. And then pretty mm-hmm. soon <laughs> every chair in the whole classroom is pushed in. And so it's fun to see those positive behaviors spread through the classroom as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it brings, you know, when you're, as you said, Angeline, looking for the positives, it changes your attitude as the adult. And it makes you feel the joy again in the work and the caring and the connection with children because you're really seeking out those creative moments you're looking for the things that are going well and you start to realize, you know what? Most of the day goes well. And I think what happens in our brains, we focus on the negative because the negative carries a lot of emotional stuff with it. But to focus on those positives, we do realize then, you know what? When I'm talking to that child's parent at the end of the day and they say, oh, how did it go? My response can be, those positive moments. Boy, you know what? Started a whole skyscraper series at the block area just with your child's tower. That was the beginning. Everybody else in the room started building towers after that. So exciting. That's what you want to send home with a family to go home and reconnect with their child at the end of the day instead of the yuck and the negativity. So I love those examples. Those are great examples of ideas for how we frame things. Thank you both. Um, other things that come to mind that can really be helpful when behaviors arise. One thing that pops in my mind is the the fact that it it's really important to get down on the child's level. So a lot of times when a, a child is having some type of behavior, we as the the grown up might be standing up and they're down on the floor, and sometimes just kind of taking um, that time to just go down at their level and let them know I'm here for you and kind of help them through whatever's going on. Maybe by just co-regulating, saying things like, you know, you look really mad right now. Maybe you should take a deep breath and really walk with them while they're experiencing the the behavior or the big emotions that they're, they're having. But I think um, a lot of times just our proximity to the child can change behaviors as well. So we can either get down at their level, maybe there you can see that maybe at the the Lego area that there might be a couple of children that might not want to share, but maybe if you just sit down beside them, maybe that mm-hmm. behavior doesn't happen just because yeah. of our, our presence. So again, mm-hmm. kind of looking around the room and seeing where we might go, but that um, getting down at their level, we can kind of feel what what's going on in their world. So mm-hmm. that's that's great. That's a great reminder. Angeline, did you have something you wanted to add as far as other thoughts? Sure. Um, so one other thing that I was thinking of is making a purposeful time to kind of 
plan for those interactions where you can teach that positive behavior. So if you have a group of three toddlers sitting together, oh my goodness, you have the red car. Let's share it with our friend. Oh my goodness, you shared with our friend. Oh, now you get to give it to your other friend and just really be intentional to kind of have that small teaching moment of teaching what you want them to do in a fun time instead of just like you said, it's great to notice it, but planning for it too. So you can teach yeah. it in a time that um, might be normally a time where you see big behaviors. Yeah. I think that that's, I, I remember too, you know, one thing that was so magical for, you know, especially young, young children, but you know, the whole idea of everybody wanting the, you know, suddenly you have 27 matchbox cars, matchbox cars, but of course the one is everyone's favorite because we not we're not really sure why, but it just happens to be. But giving the phrase to the children to be able to say to their peers, "Can I have it when you're done?" is a really powerful tool because it gives power to the child who has the car because they can say yes, they can also say no, they can, and that might cause a problem. However, then we work on the negotiations. But it also gives calm to the child who wants the toy because it gives them hope that sometime soon, they don't know when, but it's going to happen, they're going to get it when that child's done. And what often happens is the child gets done pretty quickly and gives it to the child who wants it. So those kind of things, you know, and I think that that goes to what you were talking about, Angeline, is the idea of planning for some of those moments in a more of a, a you know, orchestrated conversation so that you make sure that they're happening, especially for the children who have challenges regularly around this topic, just building in those partnering opportunities, you know, partnering them up with a, a child who's really a good player to say, I'm going to have that child practice today, doing a little bit more of that give and take and that back and forth, because we know sharing is one of those hard things. And sometimes you don't feel like doing it. How about any other things as we as we think about, you know, making sure that we couple being proactive and setting the stage before the kids even arrive? I know that there were some things that you mentioned when we were talking about this podcast before recording that really are some of those key tools that kind of set the stage for success. Yeah, I think having a routine for the children throughout the day is really important so that the children know kind of that flow of the day. It doesn't have to be like, oh, it's 8.05. We, we need breakfast right <laughs> now. It doesn't have yeah. to be very, very strict. But as long as it's like this flow of the children know after breakfast, then we have a story and then we have playtime and then center time and then just keeps going throughout the, the day. But having that routine for the children can be really powerful. And I've worked with providers where maybe there is some kind of something, surprise happens during the day. But even if instead of having playtime for 30 minutes, maybe today it ends up only being 10 minutes, but the routine mm -hmm. is still the same. Yeah. Or we, we hurry up yeah. and just read one story instead of three stories, but keeping that same flow can be really powerful and can eliminate some behaviors throughout the, the day. So that's one, one really important thing. 
Other things to kind of help with the, the routine through the day is having visuals, having visual schedules, being able to say um, what's happening next. A, a lot of times in childcare, children arrive at different times due to parents' work schedules or just other kind of appointments that pop up. And so being able to bring a child over to the picture schedule and, and telling them what part of the day that they've arrived at, and yeah. then maybe even fill them in about what happened in the morning. And now this is where we're at. And we're really glad you're here. So those are a couple yeah. of really big things that I can um, have seen can make a, a huge difference in a, a program. That's lovely. Angeline, you had something you were also going to add? Yeah, I was fortunate to be able to observe virtually in a classroom um, once, and it was beautiful. A child was finding it really difficult to transition um, from one activity to the next. And so the teacher proactively um, brought him into the small gym and let him bounce and jump on the trampoline mm -hmm. for a couple of minutes to really get his system ready to move to that more quiet activity. Um, and that worked beautifully. It was so yeah. exciting to see. And then kind of along the same line, um, there's some kids that just need um, like a calm down corner or a calm down bag that they're able to just sensory activities, fidget, something to really just start to regulate their system a little bit if they're feeling overwhelmed with all the transitions that are taking place yeah. in the classroom. Yeah, that's beautiful. And the, the fun thing about those moments and that opportunity to calm down, that's something that every child can utilize when they need it. And teaching those skills early on can really help them throughout their lives. Because we all know as adults, life gets overwhelming and we need to know how to calm our bodies down, even as grownups. And so those early on um, tools and skills that we learned as children of what is soothing to us and calming are really essentials for our success as an adult. And one thing that um, I'm just going to do a shameless plug here for our sensory brochures, but we do have some really great tools available on our website. Right now we have a sensory bundle that really connects uh, um, great information in our sensory brochure that talks about the sensory systems and why it's so important to have those calming down opportunities. Just helps you understand what's useful for a child when their sensory systems are overloaded and how that might look and those things. And we also have paired that with some great poppers and phloem, this other sensory stuff that can help you as a early childhood educator out in the field Build your own sensory calm down corner where kids can go and find things that are going to really help their bodies to regulate and calm. Um, those are really great, great examples that are so essential because the routine, that schedule, all those things are predictability built into that child's day, which we know from our lives, when things are unpredictable, anxiety can go up. But calm can follow when things are as they're expected to be as much as possible. I love what you said, Terry, about, you know, maybe shortening the amount of group time a little bit shorter when something's going to happen, but it still follows the same schedule. That's just reassuring to a child because we know there have been kids in our care who will say, wait a second, we didn't get to do, you know, we didn't get free play today. And you go, oh, yeah, we didn't. And that can be really offsetting for a child who 
athlete really needs that routine and that schedule more so than maybe their peers. Um, some kids can handle those adjustments, some kids can't, but our job as those sleuths, as you two said in part one, and those guides, we it's our job to help kids understand what's coming next and prepare for that. So all those things that you've mentioned, the routine, the transitions, the calming down corner, the opportunity to do some jumping to prepare themselves for those quiet activities, that's setting kids up for success. And that's what we're here for. So um, this has been so interesting. And I'm so grateful to the two of you for, first of all, the work that you do for the Center for Inclusive Child Care out there in the field every day in the state of Minnesota across um, our great state and supporting providers. I know you both are really active in small group group coaching as well. Another way we support um, those of you who are caring for kids in, in early childhood settings. And um, I just really am grateful for the commitment that both Terry and Angeline show to quality care for all. So thank you both for being with me on these podcasts and I'll look forward to it. Now you know you can do it. So we're going to have you back. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks everyone for listening. Take care. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit us at inclusivechildcare.org.